Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. And the mic's over here. I knew there was something. Right. Wow. This is the way forward. Let it let it be known that I've been doing this for ages. And this is the way forward. This sort of virtual. Don't have to touch anyone. Don't have to go anywhere near anyone. Virtual consultations. This is the way forward. Um, you know. Ask questions, get them answered, get on with your day, stay at home, don't even have to come out of your house. Uh, I'm ahead of the game, I'm a trailblazer, I always knew it. So, this is uh, interesting times we are living in, interesting times we are living in. So, first question, what do you think the first question is about? Any guesses? Anyone? Anyone? You got it coronavirus i was asked a question last week someone said something about in fact i've got the questions from last week what was it someone said something about coronavirus oh no i think it was in the chat actually i think they asked it live they asked about how will do you think coronavirus will affect surgery and i thought what are they talking about i'm thinking what how can that how can how can it affect us you know it might affect the nhs it might affect you know airline travel but it's not going to affect us we what a difference a week was that a week ago what a difference a week makes whoa so um this is the question i've had this week I have booked this surgery for, so this patient's having a facelift and a neck lift or something up in Warrington, so not not, not with me, but uh, I booked this surgery for mid-April in Warrington. My question is, whilst coronavirus has started to sweep through the UK, would it be sensible to cancel it? So I had someone in the clinic the other day who's booked for surgery soon, uh, next week, I think, and she was asking, should she, well, she wasn't asking, she she was just saying, what's going to happen? And you know what, it's... God, I know as much as you do. We're looking at the government website. We're looking at the NHS website, I would say daily, but it's actually several times a day because it's changing all the time. So as it stands right this second, well, I say this second, I haven't checked it in the last, maybe I should have checked it before I came on. Um, well, as it stands, the surgery is still going ahead. We did a, an operating list this afternoon. Um, and so surgery, is going ahead at the hospitals the risk of contamination there are not sort of the flow of patients into private hospitals is a lot more controlled than the nhs because obviously private hospitals don't have an a and e so you can't just walk in all the all the uh, admissions to private hospitals are, are planned and elective so they can control it a bit more um, they're not taking coronavirus uh, patients into the private hospitals at the moment they're talking about NHS getting completely rammed and using private hostel beds and using hotels and goodness knows what. So they're talking about these things, but they're not using them at the moment because obviously if that happened, then things would change significantly. They're talking about use of resources. They're talking about stopping elective surgery, as in planned surgery, as in all this sort of stuff. So whether things change tomorrow, the next day, next week, I don't know. But as it stands today, things are going ahead. So to the patient who spoke to me the other day who said, oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, well, at the moment, we're still doing operations. Uh, to this patient who's saying they've got surgery booked in April, should they, would it be sensible to, sensible to cancel it? <sighs> Difficult question, because what I would say is, and what I always say to people who are having surgery with us, is that, I mean, it is elective surgery. It is planned surgery. You can have it any time. It's not like you've got an appendix, you know, you have got appendicitis and you've got to have it done now. It's planned surgery. So you, if you don't feel comfortable 
so there's there's obviously two sides to the story either we'll cancel it or you might cancel it sort of thing so at the moment we're not cancelling it we might cancel it as i say if the, if things change and and uh, the hospitals get affected we might cancel surgery but at the moment we are not cancelling surgery and we're going ahead with surgery as planned um but if you don't feel comfortable, if you think, hold on a minute, I don't, don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to go to a hospital. I don't want to be having surgery. Um, I don't think there's any risks in particular with surgery and the coronavirus along those lines. But I understand you might not want to go to a hospital. There's other people there and um, what have you. I, I know that people worry about being around ill people and giving it to ill people. Private hospitals, by and large, don't have many ill people because it is sort of elective surgery so most of the, the average length of stay i don't know what it is i shouldn't know but you know for the whole hospital you know i shouldn't know why would i know the average length but it's it's going to be you know at night two nights maybe three nights you know probably not even three so people don't stay in the hospital for very long because it's usually planned surgery so there's they, i wouldn't worry about that so much but if you don't feel comfortable having surgery at this time if you don't feel comfortable going out of the house at this time then just postpone it that's what I would say. And that's what I always say to people who are having elective surgery. If they're so all this coronavirus uh, blew up, if someone had a bit of a cold, if someone was feeling a bit under the weather, I say, look, two things. First of all, do you feel up to coming to have surgery, to, you know, whenever it is today, next week? If you don't feel up to it, if you feel too rough, if you feel too tired, you're not up to it, then don't. You know, you can be the, the uh, ultimate judge of that. But if you do feel up to it, then you can come and we'll assess you and we'll make a judgment as to whether we can see you. So the anaesthetist would see you and assess your suitability for surgery. And it's the same thing with this. So if you don't feel up to it or if you don't feel that the time is right and you think it's just too much in flux at the moment and you're not, you don't feel comfortable, cancel it. No problem at all. But if you do feel like you want to have surgery, then at the moment we're not cancelling cases. But we are very aware of the situation. I've spent all day uh, sorting out virtual consultations and we'll do as much remotely as we can. Can't do the surgery remotely quite yet, but, you know, we can certainly do a lot of the consultations remotely. And we're trying to be aware of what's going on and, and limiting contact. And at the moment, uh, obviously, we can't do procedures and surgery um remotely so we are still doing that but who knows not me that's for sure and goodness knows how it's changed in the last week i don't know which way it'll go it could go either way and um the chat is kicking off natalie would it increase your chances of getting it i said was that you natalie last week um, you you said would it increase your chance of getting it? Well, uh, well, in fact that you're going to they say you shouldn't go to well it's America saying you shouldn't go to places more than ten people wasn't it? That was Donald Trump, but they shouldn't go to crowded places. Is a hospital a crowded place? I mean, it's at the moment, as I say, the moment that the guide the, the guidance from the government is not to go to sort of places like pubs and restaurants and lots of people. I'm not sure where hospital stands on that. I mean, as I say, private hospitals have all got, I didn't say it, but private hospitals have all got private rooms. Um, there's not large groups of people. And going for an elective surgery at private hospital, as it stands, is not part of the guidance to not do sort of thing. But um, I don't know. And I think, so I, I, the guidance is that you can still go out and do things like that. But whether that changes and whether you don't feel comfortable with it, then that's fine. Don't, you know, I, I, it's really tough. Um, hi, Olivia. Good to see you here this evening. Natalie asked you in here. Uh, this is what I'm worried about, my surgery being cancelled. Yeah, um, I'm worried too. I'm worried too, uh, Olivia. I'm worried about cancelling people's surgery. We've got a lot of people booked in for surgery. And I understand it's a massive event. It's a massive event in your life, in your, you know, work, etc. And I don't want to cancel anything and I won't cancel anything unless it's deemed not right, not the right thing to do. I mean, it's, we've got to look at the public health um, advice. So if the public health advice is that it's, you know, not right to, to 
continue doing elective surgery and it'll probably be from the side of the the medical side in terms of the hospitals using resources i think that's what they're worried about the hospitals using resources which the nhs might need and whether we'll be asked to go and help in the nhs and what have you this that's been um mooted that you know elective aesthetic surgery will be stopped and then the doctors will be expected to help in the nhs if it comes to that then it might come to that and it might get cancelled right now today as i say we've done some surgery this afternoon so we haven't we're not cancelling elective surgery um tomorrow this afternoon this evening will it change i don't know Oh, we're just doing our best. We're just doing our best. Hey, JG, I'm booked in with you on the 31st. I'm hoping to still have it. Where do I stand if I have to self-isolate? Um, where do I stand? Well, <laughs> in your room on your own, I guess. Um, well, you, you, you don't come if you have to self-isolate. It's like you got. It's like you had a flu. You know, you wouldn't come in to have surgery with flu because you give it to everybody. I mean, maybe I shouldn't link it with flu because obviously it's a lot worse than that. But um, if you have to self-isolate, you have to, you have to cancel, Becky. Um, and I think, I mean, the guidance, is, uh, we've been trying to get through it. The guidance, I think you self-isolate for seven days after symptoms or 14 days if you've been in contact with someone with symptoms. So, I, you know, you just have to cancel, Becky, or, or postpone, rather, should I say. Um, as the guidance is today, but the guidance... No, what um, a week or a few days ago was like if you've been in contact not not even a few days ago it was yesterday or day before yesterday if you've been in contact with people who have got symptoms you could still carry on your daily life but then the guidance changed yesterday to say if you've been in contact with people with symptoms you should self-isolate even if they we don't know whether they've got the virus they've just got symptoms but um so the 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 the, the, the uh, advice is changing rapidly becky but that, that as it stands if you have to self-isolate you should self-isolate and not come to have your surgery i'm afraid to say olivia i don't want to cancel i don't want you to cancel olivia tracy hi jonathan Danetta, brilliant guidance slash advice look at that Danetta, big fan thanks Danetta. i'll give you a thumbs up if i could can't on this thing um how how many people will be in the theater at one time lol so um Good question. Groups of 10 people or more. Are there 10 people? There's probably, probably getting on for 10 people in theatre, actually, Tracy. But the good news is we've got face masks. So um, you've got surgeon, scrub nurse, anaesthetist, ODA, who's a person who helps the anaesthetist, runner. So that's minimum. Uh, so runner meaning someone who gets the stuff. That's minimum five. But, you know, there could be up to 10. Um, so it's a mi- minimum five. But, but yeah um but I'm, yeah is that does that count as a crowded place an operating theater uh we also have laminar flow in theaters where the air flow is controlled and uh we wear face masks and but still good point <laughs> good point we don't want to give people coronavirus um olivia my bariatric appointment at york hospital for thursday was switched to a phone consultation it's all it's all we're doing that ourselves olivia we're going that way we're going that way phone consultations um and who knows maybe we'll change for good because the other thing is um the impact on the environment with the traveling so we've got to try and look at the bright side of this so if we maybe we will move more to i've been looking at obviously short-term solutions but also long-term solutions in terms of virtual consultations and um this sort of thing and screen sharing so that I can still show PowerPoint presentations to patients. Uh, it's going to be obviously a bit awkward for the stuff that I do because I can't really, don't want really patients, you know, um, uh, demonstrating their, their uh, issues maybe, but certainly we can go a long way to having advice and um, I can do uh, consultations and, and show slides online. But it's, it's the way it's going, Olivia. And who knows, maybe this will be a force for good that we'll be doing less in-person consultations and, as I say, less impact on the environment in terms of cars and, you know, driving on the road and it's always a, you know, CO2 emissions and things. Um, oh, God, hold on. What's going on? Uh, Becky, financially, I mean, is it just a case of rescheduling? But booked in with, where do I stand if I have to self-isolate? financially 
would you, so financially, do you mean you'll we'll give you if you've paid us some money, we'll give you the money back if you if you want to cancel, uh, Becky, uh, and if you want to reschedule, then that's fine. You just reschedule, and you just carries on. What do you mean financially? What's the uh, yeah? So whatever's right for you, Becky. If you no reason to, to at the moment, yeah, no reason to the moment. But you know, if you feel uncomfortable with having surgery right now, then that's fine. I I understand. It's a it's an it's a uh, turbulent time. Turbulent time. Um, Olivia, such a shame not seeing in person tomorrow. Though JJ, I was really looking forward to seeing you. I spoke to the medical loan company today. Awesome, Olivia. Let's get it. Let's get it out there, Olivia. Olivia spoke to. Um, I know, Olivia. I know. But we've just got to do what everyone's saying we've got to do, which is limit people leaving the house and limit consult, uh, limit face-to-face interactions. So we're just trying to do the right thing, and uh, that's, what, that's what I've been trying to work on, getting all these uh, virtual systems. But to be honest with you, at the end of the day, a phone. I think if you if phone's fine, but we're 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 also virtual virtual systems, what have you. But um so it is big big news. Big big news. And at this current point in time, as of today, we are carrying on. But we are looking, to be honest with you, we are the the talk is of things being escalated hospitals stop you doing elective work so the talk is that things will be affected i think we have to assume what is it prepare for the worst which is hospitals being effective work stopping and uh, hope for the best but at the moment we have to prepare for the potential for for hospitals stopping operating and uh, as i say as as doctors we will do what we need to do and, and, and help in the NHS if needed or help in the private sector with people if there's going to be these sort of mass casualties that are um, uh, predicted or, or potentially predicted if we don't do this stuff that we're doing now, I guess. if we Maybe if we do this stuff now properly, the self-isolating and the virtual consultations, which yours truly was doing the virtual stuff quite some time, you know, and now look how professional I am at it. In fact, I've seen people doing it a lot, and they don't have big microphones standing in front of them. Can I, can I put the microphone down, do you think? What if I try to put the microphone down? What's that? Let's see if we get even more professional. Right. Um, okay. Can you hear me all right? Has the audio suffered? So, steady on. Chat's kicking off. Sherilyn, hope things get better soon. So do I, Sherilyn. So do I. I really do. Angela says, hi, hi. I've had it done. Went in Thursday out Saturday. Feeling fantastic. Yes, you threw it, Angela. Threw it. You got through the line. You got through past the line before it all kicked off. Awesome. Awesome. That's the way to do it. Is it all right having the microphone there then? Is that all right? Do I not have to, do I not have to hold it? Audio is fine. Okay. Hmm. Been holding it all this time. The professionalism never ends on this. We're constantly getting more and more professional and slick on this. Look at that. To the extent that... Look at that. Oh, oh God. Messed it up. Anyway. Right. Um, going so well. So surgery after Accutane. How long do I need to wait to have surgery? I've recently completed a course of Accutane treatment. I was advised to wait... 12 months before having surgery what are your views and can you explain why this is so this patient is um this person has has seen someone who has said they have to wait 12 months and they don't want to wait 12 months after the accutane so then has got in touch and to be honest with you this isn't my um niche this isn't my forte this is more of a thing that would be down to the, the doctor who prescribed the Accutane. Uh, but the advice is to wait for six months after stopping Accutane. I mean, you've been told 12 months. Um, I don't know. 
I'm not an expert in the field, but it affects wound healing. That's the problem. So you, you should really avoid surgery for a period of time after stopping Accutane, um, which is a drug used for skin problems. And it can affect healing of, uh, of wounds because we cause wounds. And I think it, I think it's like an anti, it dampens down inflammation, which is obviously important when you have bad skin, but inflammation is an important part of wound healing because a wound heals by the same processes of inflammation. That's my armchair knowledge of Accutane. I'm not an expert. You need to talk to someone who prescribes it and uses it. Um, and that's what I would do. I would talk to your doctor who's prescribed the Accutane, say, what do you recommend? But um, the general advice is six months. So, you know, I would at least six months and 12 months is not unreasonable. And it's probably best to ask you, sir, your, your physician who prescribed the acting why this is. But from a plastic surgery point of view, it's a it's a wound healing issue with the Accutane. So you are better off waiting. So I'm sorry if you obviously want to have surgery done soon, but it's no good if your wounds aren't going to heal up properly. So and obviously the Accutane, well, hopefully the Accutane was used for a reason and was a good uh, a good thing to have. And hopefully that's done the job. So um, look on the bright side, I suppose, if you can. Um, try and look on the bright side if you can. Angela did it. Amazing. I did it. Shut Saturday afternoon. The hospital did. Nice one, Angela. You got in there. Awesome. Someone's looking down on you. Can you go first? Also, what is the maximum size you would go to for a BA with plenty of room for bigger implants? So a bit of a bit of a wide well bit of a wide question the second part the first part is relatively easy can you go from unders to overs yes the only thing for so for those of you who don't want under don't know the the the, the uh you know the, the chat the slang unders means under the muscle overs means over the muscle i don't know if that's obvious or not but. so can you go and put the implant underneath the muscle putting the implant over the muscle, yes. And vice versa. You can go from putting the implant over the muscle to the muscle. The thing that I would slightly worry a bit about the question, when someone says I want to go from unders to overs, I'm sort of thinking, why did you have it under? Now, so the thing about unders and overs, and I think I've got another question a bit about this, there's pros and cons of putting it under the muscle and putting it, pros and cons of putting it over the muscle. And Broadly speaking, the worry is that you are going to see rippling, feel the implant, look, have palpable edges, see visible rippling of the implant. If you put it on top of the muscle in someone who is very slim and sort of my ballpark feeling about that is if I can see your ribs, if I can see your rib cage, I'm thinking Ooh, I'm probably going to be able to see that implant. So I want to put it under the muscle. So in patients who are very slim, you put it under the muscle muscle being the pet major muscle to give it a bit of cover to hide the implant so you're less likely to see those ripples of the implant because all implants ripple a bit and the question is whether you can see those ripples so that is the good thing about putting them under the muscle but if it was all good we would just put them all under the muscle you'd always put them under muscle because you know no one wants to be able to see the ripples so there's obvious well not obviously but there are bad things with under the muscle so you it hurts more bleeds more recovery slower but also the main things are the implant can sometimes sit high when they're under the muscle the um, muscles can sometimes hold the implants high sometimes hold the implants wide and sometimes you get animation deformities so if you do the gym if you do a lot of exercise the muscle uh, the implant moves when you're when your arm moves so those are the bad things about putting them under muscle so the, the reading between the lines with this question i'm sort of thinking mm, this patient's probably got a problem with them under the muscle because she wants to go from unders to overs she's probably got a problem so she's maybe got and i don't know if you're out there if you're out there ship in let us know but if you but i don't understand if you don't want to um so you uh, you might have animation deformity you might have very wide cleavage you might have the implant sitting high so you might have a problem with putting with them under the muscle so you might be thinking I know what, I don't like this problem. I'm going to put them on top of the muscle. The problem in putting them on the top of the muscle is I'm thinking, why did they put them under the muscle in the first place? Were they worried you were going to get rippling? See the edges, feel the edges. Because 
because presumably you're slim i don't know usually people who have on the muscle are slim unless you put on loads of weight and you you know you were very unhappy with your weight before and you put on weight and you've got a much better coverage over your chest and you can't see your ribs anymore so if you're not slim so much now then maybe fine but if you are still slim and you i would worry about changing from under to over because you might be curing one problem but creating other problems you might be able to see the implants feel the edges and what have you so that worries me i less worry about the other way around so when people go from over to under so usually well not usually but if you're going to change planes that's probably a more common thing you have them over the muscle you get rippling you can see the edges looks you know don't like the look of it so then you can go under that's the sort of more normal way to go from overs to unders it's less normal to go from unders to overs because you uh, went under for a reason and if you then go over there might be signs of rippling that's one thing first none number two is uh, what is the maximum size you would go to for a second ba with plenty of room for bigger implants um it's based on the width so basically the width is a number one measurement that i work on when i look at someone who's having breast implants so i measure the base width of your breast and you want to go a bit in board, in board of that, a bit less than the base width of the breast. And then you look at the shape and profile. So if you're being outright, what's the biggest duck? The biggest you could have is an extra round, extra high profile round implant. So basically round implants carry with them more volume than a teardrop implant of the same width. So if you want bigger, round is bigger for the same width. As I say, the width is, is set. And then when you've got that width, if you're having round implants, you can have low, moderate, high, extra high profile. They get progressively fuller, progressively rounder for the same width. So the biggest implant for the width would be an extra high profile round implant. And the actual would depend on the width of your breast. So I can't, I can't get to do that without seeing you and measuring you. But that's how I would go about if you wanted the absolute biggest you could have. But it, the extra high profile does give a fuller look, which you might be happy with, but... Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a pull-up. What it is? What it is? Whew. One word: seroma. Seroma. Once you've had one and it's drained a lot, seven large syringes full. Why has it within forty-eight hours come back? And will it keep happening? When does it stop? I've adhered to all the rules and worn compression 24-7, yet it came back. Well, yeah, I'm I, I'm not surprised. I'm sorry to say I'm not surprised. Seroma is not a common problem. It's not It's not common. But it is. it can be a problem. It's not like it's, wow, that's really rare. You know, it is definitely out there. And it's there when you're doing particularly things like tummy tucks, um, well, actually, tummy tucks particularly, but places where there's a space, surgery when there's a space, because when you make a, a space and with a tummy tuck, you have to make a space in order to close the wound, you have to, in order to get the top flat down, you have to make a tunnel going up, up the middle, sort of release the skin off the abdominal wall so that it can, it can pull down. Whenever there's a space, that space can fill up with wound fluid, which is basically what seroma is. It's serous fluid, which is that yellowy sort of watery hay colored hair color hay colored fluid yellow call it yellow yellow fluid which is serous fluid wound fluid and the problem with seroma is that what you want when you create those flaps and you bring it down here you want it to stick down that's why you have some, you know often we use these suction drains which there's a continuous negative pressure continuous sucking we put you in a binder sort of trying to suck those two sort of space those two skin those two flaps together to close the dead space but the problem is and that's what happens the majority of the time if it doesn't suck together and you get a bit of fluid there if you get a bit of fluid there then you've sort of lost the sucking together moment it's a bit like is it a bit like this is this a good analogy like you know when like when you glue a couple of things together or you, you know, got some adhesive and then, then it shears a bit and a bit bubbles up and you, you try and stick it down again. 
never sticks so well, does it? That's how I thought of that. But anyway, basically, it doesn't it doesn't stick down again as well. So what happens is you drain it. You you know it's rel relatively simple to drain it, but the space is still there, and another seroma comes pretty quickly after the first. If you know when it's not. Uh, so we we drain it, and like you said, you're doing this compression and all that sort of stuff. We wear the compression, but once you get a seroma, it's pretty, pretty. You know, I'll say always. You know, it's sort of certainly more common than not. So it's pretty pretty much always will come back. The hope is it comes back less than before, and if you can bear with it, then bear with it and just go with, with the uh, binder and, and time. But if you can't bear with it, then you might have to have it drained again. And then it can come back again. And then you can have it drained again. Blah, 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 blah. And the other problem is that when you're having it drained, there's a very, very small risk, very small risk of introducing infection. So I always say to people, don't have it drained just for the sake of draining it. Have it drained when it's sort of uncomfortable and when it's you know, when it's bothering you, because it hopefully it'll take longer and longer periods between the draining, because you don't have to come back every few days and have it drained. So, you know, the longer you can leave it, the better. And it does tend to tamponade itself, which means that it quite rapidly fills, but then it gets to a certain pressure and then it doesn't keep on filling. So if you sort of had a, had a seroma and then you, you maybe had it drained and had, I don't know, 100 mils or something, um, 200 mils, let's say 100 round figures, mills and then three days later you came back so on bits come back and they drained it again and there's another hundred mills what would have probably happened if you'd left that five days or six days it'd have been 120 mils there wouldn't have been 200 mils if you'd left it another three days so the first three days is 100 mils but then it it, it goes like that. it plateaus so your first few is 100 mils but then there's less every time because it tamponades it gets pressure it tamponades itself and it and it doesn't it gets less and less so it wouldn't be another you, you don't think oh god that's three days and i've got 100 mils i better get it drained every three days because if i leave it if i leave it leave it nine days i'll have 300 mils oh my god leave it 12 days and 400 mils it doesn't work like that leave it nine days you have 150 mils you know it just have a bit less a bit more so it does keep on there are a nuisance they are a nuisance when they come and the trick is just to try and be positive, try and stay with it and do, you know, carry on doing what they're telling you to do in terms of compression and what have you. And, you know, when it's uncomfortable, when it's symptomatic, have it drained and it should stop. But it is sometimes it's not too bad. But um, if you just had a one, once you've had one and it's drained, why has it within so many words come, come back? And it keep and, and will it keep happening? Yeah. So you haven't had many. Yeah, it will keep happening, but hopefully it keeps happening less and less. So you get to the stage where you don't need to have it drained anymore. So you might be there already. You know, you might only have one drainage, but sometimes there's another one. Recovery. Recovery with implants. And lift. Sorry, it's been mirrored. It's hard. This recovery with implants and lift under or over muscle in breast implants. Comparative pain slash recovery slash appearance. Also, when combined with a breast lift? Question mark. That's a that's a that's a big question. Big a lot to cover there. Um, under or over the muscle in breast implants? Well, again. Like I said earlier, pros and cons on both. But broadly speaking, if you're very slim, if you can see your rib cage, you worry about being able to see the implant. I should have some props, shouldn't I? I've got an implant in here somewhere. It's hard to stash of implants in case it falls into the wrong hands. But anyway, basically, if you hold an implant up, you can see the ripples. I've got to have a quick look. You all right? You all right for a minute? I'm back. It's okay. Sorry about that. So here's an implant. I found one. Um, here's an implant. So if you hold an implant up, you see the ripples. 
So they all they all basically ripple when they're in the body. You know, that's a physical attribute of the silicon. That's the fact that they're that they're squidgy. Now they are less squidgy than the old ones. The old ones are uh, more squidgy, less cohesive in terms of medical terms. But the old ones were, were were much softer, which felt softer. These feel a bit firmer than the old ones, but they're safer if they rupture because the gel is more firm, so they don't leak liquid silicone. But still, all implants, to a greater or lesser degree, will will ripple uh, inside the body. And the question is whether you can see the ripples. Simple as that. So that depends on how much cover you've got so as i say if you can see your ribs then you can see your um you worry that you're going to see the implants so that's where you'd have it under muscle but uh, pain slash recovery slash appearance so pain and recovery is going to be worse with under the muscle more painful longer recovery bleeds more more risk of hematoma when i talk to people about recovery after breast implants i say the same thing where they're having it under or over the muscle. So first week, you're not going to feel like much. Second week, you're going to feel better. Maybe start driving and what have you after the second week. And, uh, you know, four to six weeks for anything with your upper body. Two, after two weeks, you'll be doing lower body stuff at the gym. Are we allowed at the gym? We're going to cancel my gym membership. So just cancel it. I'm not supposed to go to the gym, are we? Let me just start going to the gym. Anyway, mind you, I lost my shoes, so. I'll be going for a while anyway. Um, but so, yeah, after a couple of weeks, you can do the gym, lower body stuff, and then four to six weeks for upper body. So I say the same whether it's under or over the muscle, but it's just broadly speaking a bit worse if it's under the muscle. But having said that, I do have patients who've had it under the muscle and haven't had pain at all. And they're like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. It's fine. And similarly, I have had pain who's had it, uh, people who had it over the muscle, who've had a lot of pain. So there is a overlap, broadly speaking, a bit worse with that under the muscle appearance really interesting question appearance i find this really interesting because i get a lot of people who say come to me and say oh it's more natural it's more natural under, under the muscle isn't it or you know or have this view that like most people want it natural and it's not if you have it under the muscle if you're very slim and you have it under the muscle it's more natural because you won't get rippling because rippling is not natural so that means it's more natural if you have it under the muscle but if the muscle holds it high or holds them wide or you get animation deformities it's less natural so in those circumstances you'd have been better off having it on top of the muscle it's more natural on top of the muscle because it won't be high or wide or animation deformities so you can have a situation where it'd be more natural having it on top of the muscle and you can have a situation where it'd be more natural having it underneath the muscle so basically you've got to have what's right for you and you've got to balance the risks there's a risk it could look unnatural having it over or under and you've got to balance the risks to maximize your chances of it looking natural is that sorry maybe i need to write this down and make, make that a bit clearer I don't know if I've made that clear, but basically it can, it's, it's not true that it looks more natural under the muscle necessarily. There are situations where it does look more natural under the muscle, but there are also situations where it look more natural on top of the muscle because you can have it looking unnatural under the muscle. <laughs> oh, God. Did you get my... Did you get my... Is anyone following this? You, I don't know why. It's, it's all coronavirus, isn't it? No one cares about this anymore. It's all corona. No one cares about under the muscle. Anyway... I know why it's all it's all there it's all there it's just getting it out it's conveying it anyway that's maybe ask me again I'll do it try it next week try and answer the question better next week anyway also second part two-part question this also when combined with a breast lift when combined with a breast uplift I think that means when well i don't know what it does it mean when would you combine it with a breast lift or or what's the recovery when combined with a breast lift anyway basically a breast lift makes things worse more uncomfortable a breast lift with implants is a big deal a breast lift with implants is a big op it's uh many good surgeons don't do it in one op they stage it because it is such a big op because a breast lift tightens the skin that's how a lift works and then implants tighten the skin again so there's a high risk of 
wound healing problems, uh, complications, infection, if the infection gets to the implant, you have to remove the implant. So there are risks in doing a breath lift with implant. So I think is this question maybe when when combined, when would you combine it with an implant? So when would you do it? You would do it if broadly you got your shape and your size. Lift's good with shape, doesn't really do anything to size. Implant's good with size, doesn't really do anything to shape. So you'd combine a breast lift with implants if it's the shape and the size you're not happy with, meaning your breasts are sitting low and they're too small. If one is an overriding problem, you could just have one. So if they're just if your breasts are sitting a bit low, a bit saggy, feel a bit droopy, but you wear a C cup bra or a D cup bra or a double D cup bra, and you're actually happy wearing that size of bra, but you feel like the, when you take your bra off that the, they, they descend, then maybe a lift would be all that you need. However, if it's mainly size you don't like, if they're, they're they're small but they're looking a bit droopy and you think they need to be fuller but also bigger, there might be a situation where you could just have implants and not have a lift, although it wouldn't lift your nipple. Your nipple would still be sitting low, but you would have volume and in a bra you might feel good. So there might be situations where you could have one or the other, but if it, if the, if the breasts are sitting low and, the, and you want them bigger and lifted, that's when you combine a breast lift and implants. Woo. Oh, look, Olivia's following. Someone's following. Thank you, Olivia. You're making notes. Drawing an algorithm. I have, to, I have to reflect on this and see how I can say it a bit clearer. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you for, thank you for that support. Natalie, I'm just going to say Natalie. I think you just say Natalie. I think you said once, you just say Natalie. So I hope that's all right. I'm just going to say Natalie. I'm with you. Just depends on the person. We are all different. What works for one, not work with another. Yes, Natalie and Olivia are with me. Thank you, people. We are three. Hold on a minute. And Tracy, we are four. Yes, there's four of us who are following this. Excellent. Here we go. Olivia, say I don't see you in person before the surgery. How do we make the final decision on over or under, etc.? Um, well, Olivia, I've seen you already, so I've got a view on it. And we chat, we rap. We can, I can see you in person, Olivia. That's the thing about this virtual thing. We'll do the virtual um consultations what have you and see how that goes but it it doesn't mean that we won't do any more face-to-face consultations we'll still do face-to-face consultations but um it's just the advice at the moment is to limit things maybe they'll they'll slacken off and we'll be doing you know more face-to-face but uh it depends olivia if we if we might be able to make a, a decision without an in-person consultation because you've already had one I think it's a bit different for people who've not had an in-person consultation. I feel a bit uneasy about doing that without someone who's never had an in-person one. I think if you're, we can do initial consultations in a virtual way, and I've got a couple tomorrow. But I think if we, if you do go ahead and have surgery, I think it is good to come to clinic and have an in-person one prior to surgery. But that's different for you, Olivia, because you've been already. Uh, that's my question. So yes, I'm having implants and lift together and thighs all in one operation. I know it is, Olivia. I know. I didn't want to say anything, Olivia. I'm trying to keep a bit of a, you know, keep it subtle. Uh, but, yeah, did that? I hope that answered your question. Olivia has got four lots of thumbs up. Wow. That's two people with both hands up. Whoa. And just so everyone knows, Olivia's away working till April the 14th. Okay? Surgery on the 24th. It's a busy, busy time, Olivia. It's a busy time. I tell you what, Olivia. What do you mean you're away? Are you away? No one's going away anymore. Everyone's staying at home. You're allowed to go away. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Right, people. I've got to be. I've got a full disclosure here. This is the last question. Hold on a minute. I haven't, I haven't written it down properly. Oh, Durham. Go to Durham. Okay. So maybe you will be allowed to go to Durham. I don't think they've closed the borders of Durham yet. No, Durham borders are open. Okay, right. Can I ask for a vision? Lisa, you missed the start. Lisa, what are you playing at? Come on. No excuses. Honestly, you didn't miss anything, Lisa. Oh, it's just doom and gloom about the corona. Whoa, lights on. Right. 
sorry, I've, I've cut the end of this question. So this question was, Lisa, we're on the last question. I've got to be honest with you. I don't want to ruin your day or anything, but you know what? It comes on, um, you can, you can just click, you can replay it. Can't you, you don't get the full immersive experience of the live, but you know, still you can, you can try and relive it at your leisure at home. So sorry. Hi, sorry to bother you again yet again <laughs> i'm seven months post-op full tummy tuck lipo to flanks nothing has changed in your professional opinion in my next appointment with my surgeon what should i not leave without him fixing i'm so unhappy with the outcome in my opinion still have so much fat and um, skin left i'm not flat and tight when i stand up my scar is so high, you can see it at the front of my boxes that I have to wear now to hide the scar. I have a random stitch, which is now a dent. When asked why, was told it's just a stitch, but you can really see it. Foot on ledge, dog ears, and my left dog ear is really tight. When I bend over, it feels like it's pulling. Am I within my right to ask for all this to be addressed? Really been an emotional ride. Thanks. Oh, dear tricky isn't it i can't get involved with someone else's someone else's um thing i mean this lady sent photos as well so i've seen photos of the result and i gotta be honest i think i just want to want to give you the give you the view from the doctor the doctor's view because I do believe that we are all trying to have happy patients and we value a happy patient. I mean, I certainly am very aware of the value of a happy patient and we'll go to great lengths to ensure that patients are ha as happy as I can possibly make them. And we'll do, and I think most doctors will do whatever they well, you know whatever they can to make patients happy we're not trying to get out of stuff i don't know if i should speak for everybody because i i think i think that's true you know i don't think we're trying to get out of doing things and i, I will maybe do a bit of a revision a bit of this and that even if i think oh i don't really need it but i want the patient to know that i'm trying i'm on their side and i'm trying my best to make everything just the way they want it so the, the 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 question is asked in a little bit of a slightly confrontational way like what can i what should i not leave without what is it should i not leave without him what should i not leave without him fixing it's like saying i'm not leaving until you fix my dog ear it's like mm, i don't know you know i think we are trying to help most most of us are slash all of us and so I think we are trying to do the to the, do the best for you. And I think you should try and hope, try and maybe get more of a mindset of like we're on the same side. We're trying to give you the result you want genuinely because it's very damaging having a, a, an unhappy patient. If you have a, an unhappy patient out there in this day and age with social media, Internet, you know, God knows what. And then you start saying, I had this surgeon and he did a dog ear and it all pulls in and it didn't fix it. And it looks awful. And I'm very unhappy. And I've got a legend in this and that. That's worth a lot in a negative way, you know? So the flip side is you would go a long way to, to turn that patient into a happy patient if you can, particularly if it's just a question of doing a bit of a bit of revision here or there, a bit of a, you know, bit of a tidy up maybe. So that that's what I would say as a general principle and so it might not be that the surgeon's being evasive, which is what I'm feeling that you, you're you're, uh, you're portraying feel that you're being not listened to, which I think is I think I think that's a problem with doctors actually. I, I think we need to convey this sort of stuff to patients, and we need to convey that we are looking after them, or we will do whatever needs to be done. I talk to other doctors about this stuff, um, and I think and this. this probably hasn't been conveyed very clearly to you if, if if that is what the doctor does feel which i hope they would feel so seven months post-op is not 
a huge amount of time. You know, things start to settle around three, six, 12, even 18 months for it to fully settle. And look at your photos. I think there is some swelling going on there still. And I think there is some some room for improvement. And, you know, you say I've got a random stitch, which is now a dent when asked was told it was a stitch, but can really see it. In terms of tummy tucks, we do use some long-term dissolving sutures. And they can tell, they, when you look at the sort of packet, and you don't look at the packet, but, you know, if you look at the sort of um, information about the sutures, it will say it takes one month to dissolve or two months to dissolve. You might say, I'm seven months in. What are you talking about, you crazy man? When they tell you how long it takes for a stitch to dissolve, they're talking about the tubage being surrounded by water. They dissolve by being surrounded by water. Water's inside your body. And so a stitch, a tube of a stitch might take one or two months to dissolve. But when you've got a knot, only the outside is in contact with water. So it takes a lot longer for the knots to dissolve. That's why at the end of the wounds, you often have problems because there's big knots there. And along the wounds with tummy tucks, we put lots of knots along there. So knots can take a long time to dissolve. So if you have a dent, sometimes you do have a dent because we put some deep sutures to hold everything together and that might be denting the skin in a bit. But that suture will dissolve in time. So I don't think that's anything particularly to worry about. Similarly, dog ears. Dog ears are made worse by by um swelling. And so there might still be some swelling there. And one of the problems, I think, psychologically, you get into a situation where you feel like you've got all these bad things and they need to be fixed and you start just focusing and looking on the negatives and a lot of your photos you were sat forward you were sat um and i understand that it's obviously worse when you sit and when you bend forward but everyone's is worse when they sit and they're bent forward now yes you did show some photos of you standing up straight and there was a bit of swelling there when you're standing up straight but i think you know, I think because you come fixated on it, you start bending forward and say, look, I've got all this big lot here left behind. And, you know, you need a bit left behind when you bend forward so that you're able to stand straight. If you make it really tight when you bend forward, you're not going to be able to stand straight. Now, when you first saw it, tummy tight, it is, it is like that. But, you know, I think, um, you know, the scar's high. The scar is often high. It's hard to lower a scar, number one. And number two, it does, it, it might settle. Uh, over time and I, and I know seven months you might think oh, pulling my chain i've got no vested interest to you know i don't know anything about your treatment or anything i've got nothing to do with it so you know honestly it can take you know i've got a photo i show in my slide deck which is one of eight months and 16 months and how it settles i'll probably show it couldn't i um i'll keep talking um so it does take a long time, or at least it can take a long time for everything to properly settle. And I would work with your surgeon and no, don't go in there trying to make demands and say, I'm not leaving until I've had this done. I would hope he or she would be wanting to give you a good result. And if he or she feels that there's still some swelling to go and what, thinks that there will be improvements over time, it might be worth waiting to let those improvements get maxim maximally as good as they're going to get because you you don't really want to have one revision and another revision you don't really want to have one dog ear now and then another dog ear later you want to get one revision and so really around a year and maybe even more uh, i'll show you this one if i can um for, for it to really properly settle so i think try and get on side with your with your surgeon try and accept that there might be some improvements still to come because everyone's different and sometimes people at three four five six months have all settled really well sometimes people at seven eight nine months are still quite swollen scars still quite red scars a bit pulled up and what have everybody's different and a bit of positivity try and keep the faith and hopefully everything will be all right, in the words of Bob Marley, right? <laughs> Let's have it. Right, now we're going techno, because this is the sort of techno wizardry you get on this show. What you're going to have before your eyes, I know I've done this before. Um, what I'm going to do, quite simply, people, is, yes. You know what I'm going to do? You know it. I'm going to share my screen. Yeah, you heard me. I'm going to share my screen. 
So, hmm. I don't know what's going to happen to the audio. I'm going to do it. I am going to Chrome tab. So, share. Can you see that? Can you see that? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, I am going to share it because I am a pro, and I've been doing this for years, guys. You get someone who just just fly by night who just started, they won't be as slick as this. Okay, so maybe, maybe not sharing it as well, but it's a start. Shared screen, okay. <laughs> Don't get this slick work anywhere else, do you? You know, he knows what he's doing. That's what he's doing and just gets it done. Simple as that. Gets it done. Okay. Can you see that? That's how we do things around here. Yeah. Look at that. So you see, oh, I can't, can I point? Come on, man, you're asking too much to point. Anyway, eight months, still quite red, still quite pulled up. 16 months. Now, I think he's put on a bit of weight. So he hasn't had liposuction to the sides, but that's a different story. Um, and he's put on a bit of weight. But 16 months, and it's sort of settled, dropped down a bit, and the scar has settled. So look at that, eight months. And you might be unhappy at eight months and think, oh, this scar's quite red and quite pulled up. And 16 months, and it has settled. Now, it's not always like that. It's not all, It doesn't always take um, six, you know, that long for it to settle, but it can take that long for it. Uh, for it to settle um it is not unusual for it to take a year or more for the scars and, and, and swellings and bits and bobs to settle so in answer to your question yes you can ask for a revision it's your body you're the patient you're the ultimate judge of your result and not us we have to but our job is to say what the right way of treating your problems are so your job is to say what your problems are and we've got to try and give you the best advice we can in terms of how to treat those problems. And it might be that waiting and letting the scarring and to soften and settle would be the best way to treat that. It's not fobbing you off. It's not trying to get away with it. The only problem you've got to watch out for actually is if they've got a revision policy of a certain time and they don't, because I've heard of people like that, they say, you know, five months, oh, leave it for a couple of months and then at eight months, oh, we've got a six month revision policy you have to pay now. That That's bad. Um, but... Uh, so just look out for that. But you can ask for a vision, but it might be that leaving it might be better to let things settle. But I'm not um, your surgeon. So um, best, uh, best to check with your surgeon. Chats, chat's kicking off. Natalie's in Sunderland. Congratulations. I hope everything's good there. Lisa, yes, you did miss your question, Lisa. You have to, people, you have to work out which one of Lisa's was somewhere up there. Or back there. Uh, I answered it very well, by the way, Lisa. I think you'll be pleased. I'm getting on the train regardless. Money calls. That's the, that's the spirit, Olivia. None of the public health worries. Getting on the train regardless. Money calls. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm freaking out that it may be postponed. Can't. I had a cereal binge this afternoon. What's a cereal binge? Don't freak out, Olivia. Don't freak out. Stay calm. Thanks so much, JJ. You've made me feel so much better tonight. Oh, wow. Pardon me. What is that? Marie-Louise Lynn. What drain? Oh, look at that. Marie-Louise has come in with a question. Nice. What damage is left after a large hematoma above the TT scar? No damage, I would say, Louise. Um, hematomas are um, good. Thank you, first of all, for the question. Thank you very much. Uh, hematomas are uh, horrible because you have to go out to theatre and you've just had an anaesthetic and you have another anaesthetic and it really knocks you back and it's really not nice. But they don't tend to leave long-term damage. The, the, the short-term, yes. So it might take a bit longer for the scarring to settle. There might be a bit more swelling. 
because obviously you've had the scar open twice and you've had to have it washed out. So that can be quite traumatic. So it might take a little bit longer for it to settle. But after a year or 18 months, it should be no different to how it would have been if you'd not had the hematoma. So you shouldn't have any long-term damage, Marie-Louise. I'm sorry to hear that you had a hematoma, but you should be able to um, not have any different result than if you hadn't had it, apart from the fact that you've had to have two anesthetics, which is fortunate. So I hope that has covered that for another night. And what a difference from last week to this week. Who knows what is going to be happening next week. I'm going to look back at this week's advice that I've given you and say, look, everything I was wrong because now coronavirus has stepped into this phase or that phase, or now we're back to normal and everything's back. And goodness me, do you remember last week we were worried about it? I hope that's what I'm going to be saying, but who knows? Hopefully everything will be fine and a bit of positivity is uh, called for. So thank you all so much for wonderful uh, interaction, wonderful, wonderful questions. And uh, Lisa, I hope you can find your question back there. Uh, and uh, I think you will, you will find that it has been comprehensively answered by yours truly. And if anyone has any questions, please feel free to comment somewhere or message me or email me or do whatever you want to do to me. And I will do my best to answer it in um, spectacular fashion. And here's to virtual consultations and not driving around so much. And I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Tuesday, whatever next week is, 7, 7, 24th of March, 7 p.m. I will see you there. But for now, I'm checking out. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.